breath together. So you already know what I'm going to preach about, right? What am I going to preach about today? Yes, that's part of it. <laughs> Fear of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't want to preach long, but I need to be really, really clear. I need to be uh, succinct today. See, we do this, all, we, we, we join, we gather together all the time, but I'm not sure in your mind you understand how significant or important it is for you and your family. God has chosen that when we assemble, his kingdom manifests to the degree that we fear him. So not only do I want you to strengthen your resolve that we continue to gather, but I want you to understand greater the reasons why we gather and why we worship asking the Lord to help me make that clear today because uh, our future is greatly impacted by the continuance of what we do and I thank you Heavenly Father for your presence today thank you for interrupting our cycle interrupting our pattern with your presence with your word with your concern for us and for our children. I'm asking, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would teach us the fear of the Lord, that we may please you on every hand, and that you may mightily use us when we disassemble. I thank you for what you will do today. Strengthen every soul, every believer, Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said, Amen. Put our prayer. We're going to do our prayer. I think this is the third week we've done this, I think. Um, will you, will you um, gaze on the screen? Take a look at the first few sentences, and we're going to recite this together. In your reciting this together, make it your heart. May your imagination be um, may your imagination be stimulated in your understanding of who God is. You don't know who he is. It's a whole lot harder to obey him when he speaks to you to do something. If you don't know who he is, find out who you are. The identity crisis in America is because men and women do not know God. He resolves all of that. Can we read it together? We would be still and know that you are God, King God, supreme in your authority, the ruling, reigning monarch of this universe, timeless in your existence, ingenious in your creativity and with totality of ownership. We stand in awe of you as we contemplate your awesome holiness, majestic splendor, blazing glory, limitless power, and unquestionable sovereignty. We worship you for your flawless character, your infinite knowledge and wisdom, your absolute justice, unswerving faithfulness, unending mercy, matchless grace, and terrible wrath against sin. We bow our hearts and bend our knees before you as we acknowledge your dazzling beauty, your fascinating personality, your incomprehensible humility, your unsearchable understanding, and your unfathomable love. We acknowledge that our greatest need is to have a far greater revelation of what you are really like. We ask you to meet that need. We would also join with Moses and pray, teach us your ways that we may know you 
and find favor in your sight. Thank you that you will answer these sincere requests. In Jesus' name, amen. Hug each other before you take your seat. You are very important to each other and to God. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. Proverbs 8, 13, it might be a verse of scripture you might want to commit to memory. Uh, Proverbs 8, 13 answers the question, what is the fear of the Lord? There are many scriptures that deal with the fear of the Lord, but they are really talking about the result of what happens when you fear God. But there are just a few that gives us insight into the meaning of the phrase, the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 8.13 says, For the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. I want the Lord to turn up the fire in your heart about what you hate. And I want there to be an exchange between what you hate and what God hates. Everything we hate, God doesn't necessarily hate. If you're going to hate anything, hate what God hates. Some would say, some of you pacifists would say, God hates. I thought God was love. He is love. And love hates unfaithfulness. If you're married and you're one of these people, well, love, just everybody, just everybody's love, and everybody's in love, and love is going to help us all. If you're one of those persons and you're married and you're mate is unfaithful to you somebody better feel some hate because if you don't maybe you didn't really love when you look at the fear of the Lord and look at its definition if you've got it in your instrument that verse Proverbs 8 13 for the fear of the Lord is to hate evil by the way um, um, I, I want you to take a, 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 a praise break and thank God for the multimedia ministry. Uh, go ahead, clap your hands and, and, and gratification for them. They help us so much, and they're going to help us even more. And the reason why I wanted to do that, because I drive them insane. Why? Oh, well, you ain't got to tell everybody out loud. Because, you know, they want to, for you to see what I'm saying but I don't get what I'm, I'm saying and seeing in time for them to put on there what, the way they want to do it. Yeah, so they put up with, they, they're put up with me. But they're praying for me. They're stretching their hands toward me for God to give me, I'm not, see, see, yes, grace. So I did, I sent this to you this morning. After I got here to church. So if if bring it up fine. If not, I know you got I know you've got your Bibles on your phones, in your hands. Eight thirteen. The fear of the, check this out. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, hate pride, hate arrogance, hate evil. This is one reason why I have a problem with parents letting their children watch certain things that are just absolutely evil. God hates it. Hate pride, arrogance. Hate the evil way. And this one really will get Hates the perverted mouth. How many of you have ever been around a perverted mouth? A perverted mouth means it's connected to a perverted heart. So everything they say is like... Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Bible says, God said, I, I hate these things. Notice, please, the fear of the Lord, hate evil, hate pride, arrogance, evil way, perverted mouth. And he ends it by saying, I hate. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says, check this out. And I, I know this verse of scripture from my youth because it was one that I had to deal with so much. Check this out. Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things which the Lord hates. 
uh, some people have a problem with serving a God who hates. He has a right to hate because he is love. Six things he hates. Yes, even seven, the seventh thing. See, I think six things I hate. And the seventh one makes him sick. That's a, a, that's a, 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 a way of God doesn't get sick like we get sick. But it's a way of him expressing to us how he, his reaction about it. Six things the Lord hates. And the seventh one is an abomination to him. Abomination, what that which makes you vomit. Horrible. Are you there, saints? Are you ready? What does it say? What's the first thing he hates? Pardon me? Haughty eyes and uh, uh, we're still back to this pride, right? And it's very similar, right? Back, haughty eyes is a person's pride. Have you ever seen body that, that they believe they all that and the bag of chips and nobody can ever tell them different? Any different? Have you ever seen people that they, they believe the whole world needs to revolve around them? Excuse me, I didn't say you, I said you don't anybody. Amen. Six things the Lord hates. He hates, and seventh, makes him sick. Haughty eyes. What else? How many of you have, raise your hand if you're a parent. Now one thing ought to, ought to send your flag up the pole is when your kid lies to you. How many, how many of your parents understand what I just said? What is that in us that revolts against a lie? Well, your child, if he lies to you, number one, your child doesn't understand who you are. Oh, Lord, help us today. And there is the fear of the Lord is not in that child. Because if the fear of the Lord was in that child, one thing they're not going to do. Hello, are you guys there? What, what is that thing they won't do? Lie. Uh-huh, check it out. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Are you all there? A, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run to evil, a false witness that utters lies. I, you know, this, he, he already said I hate the lying tongue. But a false witness means you're going to get on the stand and you're going to tell a lie that puts somebody else's life in jeopardy. Uh, it's, what do you think God thinks about the media? Lord, help me today. That twists the truth. Or that reports a truth in a wrong context so it comes out to be opposite of what was really said. One reason why I get frustrated with the media because they lie. If you told your mother, you said, well, where are you going, the baby? Oh, I'm going to Shakita's house. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, you know, be back at so-and-so. Okay, mama. Now, what she didn't tell you that at Shakita's house, they're going to be smoking, they're going to be drinking, and they're going to have their boyfriends over there. You didn't tell your mama that. I mean, y'all understand exactly what I'm talking about. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? So, 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 check it out. He says, uh, feet, check it out. Uh, a heart that, this is awesome here. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. That also is what happens when we practice abortion. That's also what happens when we practice abortion because a fetus is innocent and you shed his blood or her blood. These are six things and the seventh thing makes him sick. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that rapidly, feet that, how many of you know folks that if it's, if it's some mess, they're going to be there? They just love mess. They're not happy unless they're in mess. Anybody? Raise your hand if you know somebody like that. I hope it's not you. All right, here we go. Feet that rapidly run to evil, um, a false witness who utters lies, and the one who spreads, this was amazing to me. This is the seventh one that makes him sick. The one that, sp 
that spreads discord among the brethren. Wow. If you want to understand the fear of the Lord, understand the Lord. When you don't understand the Lord, you won't get the fear of the Lord. You'll be like the world. They say anything against God. They just do it. They just, they're defiant. If you so God, you strike me down right now. How many of y'all say, oh, Lord. See, if the fear of God's in you, say, you, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, keep rolling, because I got a story to tell you. Uh, Psalms 22 to 23, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him. All you descendants of Israel. So when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're talking about one side of it is this hate and love. And the other side is this deep reverential respect and trembling because of his presence. So I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. So maybe you can get it. Because if you get the story, it's possible you may get it. By the way, what I'm saying to you, God has to grant it to you. It's not automatic. Amen. I was... I, I went to school with him. Ministered with him. Sang with him. Became friends. He died last week. He started pushing what he calls the gospel of inclusion. started denying the existence of hell. And he started preaching that everyone, regardless, would be saved. He suffered a lot of hurt. He suffered a lot of disappointment. I don't want to go too much into that, but some of you know who I'm speaking of. So I thought I'd give you a scripture this morning that might help you if you happen to be struggling with these things. Many people ask, how could a, ben a, a benevolent, magnificent God, how could, how could he send someone to hell for eternity? Since God is love. If you ask that question, the first thing is you misunderstand his definition of love. And you misunderstand our responsibility to respond correctly to his love. But I thought I'd give you a couple of scriptures. You can write them down for any of those who are just wrestling with this. Because grace and mercy come to those who are repentant. Grace and mercy in abundance cover those whose hearts are broken about the way they used to live. Forgiveness and cleansing comes to everyone, regardless of your race, color, ethnicity. To everyone that believes that Jesus' sacrifice is enough Give and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And those who choose not to, well, let me read it to you. So I'll give you the scripture. Just uh, for your side pack, put this in your side pack. So, you know, when you get in this conversation, you know, somebody who's like, you know, being, going in this direction like, you know, well, well, God understands. For those who are confused and those whose identity has been determined by the culture and not the one who created them. 
Okay, I'll give it to you. Hey, 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 check out, uh, check out uh, Matthew 10, 28. I'm just going to give you one verse. You ought to read the whole thing, but just give me one little verse. Matthew 10, 28. Check this out. And this word that he's using is as a double meaning. Check it out. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. Fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Okay, I'll give you another one. Luke 12, 4 and 5. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I, but I will warn you whom to fear. This is Jesus talking. Fear the one who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. So I want to say to those of you that are wrestling with your concept of what God is because you want God to fit your concept of God to fit your lifestyle. You will love and serve only the God that fits what you want. But, but the God who, of creation is not conformable to your lifestyle. The God who created you, the God who breathed life, the God who drew your parents together, the God who caused conception to happen with your name on that, on that egg, the God who took you through nine months and a formation and brought you forth and kept your life alive, the God who kept your life alive when, when, when you, were, you were being threatened the whole time, the God who was loving you perfectly before you knew him, the God who arranges for, for, the, for the, the, the gospel message to come to you. If God has gotten any way, he has so many ways to do that, you can't count. That God, that God who knows your name, your thoughts, he even knows the genes that have come down in your, through inheritance. He, are, he knows your genetic makeup, what's in you. Faults. That God who perfectly loves you, who summons you to the throne of grace, who gives you an opportunity to make a choice between dissing him and supporting yourself. The, the God who, who, he's talking to you, you want to make him to be something he's not. You can't make God. God made you. Check, tell your neighbor what I said. You can't make God. God made you. When you, when you, get, a, 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 when you get a clue of what I'm talking about, it actually changes your life because what happens to you is you realize, oh, my God, when I, when I missed that car, when that car missed me, that should have been my death right there. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Man, I know I'm walking across this pipe. That pipe is 50 feet above the, uh, the rocky waters, and it's nighttime, and I'm walking the pipe at night. Um, I can't count how many times I made it back and forth over that pipe, but I know one thing, had I slipped once. Whoosh. How many of you, how many of you, that, that the car's out of control? It don't matter what you do, left or right, it's out of control, and that's it. You like red fox. Oh, hit a big one. How many of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about? And when it's over, you don't know how you got through it. Those of you who are wrestling with who God is and his perfect love for you. You don't know what you put in your mouth, and you don't know what they did to that food back in the kitchen. You have no idea. Am I right? Where my sister girl? Where my, where my chef? Chef, where you at, girl? You know what I'm talking about. 
I mean, you know, whatever, whatever she cooks and you eat, you can just know that it ain't going to kill you because she ain't going to let no germs or nothing with germs on it touch it. She's the, she's the quintessential kitchen germaphobic. I do love it. I just don't want, you know, never mind. All right, so. <laughs> Come on, brother. I still got to tell you a story. The people who are struggling with that, I want you to know the, how great the love of God is for you and how that, that, that lie and that argument against him is a lie. And all he's waiting for you is to acknowledge the truth. You know he loves the truth, he hates a lie. God, you can't have love without free will. Let's try it again. You cannot have love without free will. If God makes you a robot and you make a decision because he makes you make a decision, it's not love. Love demands a choice. Love demands a freedom. That's what, we, that's what we're born in. You don't believe this? All right. You marry some woman, you make love you. You got to make her love you the rest of your relationship. You ain't got the power. Thank you, Jesus. You don't recover so many times. <laughs> well, we understand. <laughs> you can only buy so many things. The God who loves you perfectly has allowed you to make choices. I know, that might suck for some of you. But God has allowed you to make choices choices. This is why this subject matter is so powerful. The fear of the Lord has to do with your volition, your choice, your will. For those of you who are struggling with your existence and struggling with your identity, you, have you noticed how many of you are over 50 years old? And you don't mind saying it. Raise your hand if you're over 50. Look around. Okay, you're over 50. Okay, so that means that you remember, you remember a time, you remember a time when, 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 you know, you, you didn't, nobody talk about identity crisis. <laughs> when you were 10 years old, I promise you, you didn't even know what that was. Now we got, we got identity confused people coming into the classrooms of our children to let them determine what their identity is. Now that's some stupid stuff. You ought to hate it with a passion because it's a lie. It is a lie. It is a lie. I want you to go back to those two scriptures and, you know, consider the fact that the Lord, who has also allowed hell to be, you know, has also allowed an eternity with him to be. And you have to make your mind up. Which one you gonna believe? Okay. Well, I was debating whether I would talk about that or not. It's too late now. Amen. So no, no matter whether you're John the John in 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 the New Testament, John who was one of Jesus' disciples, or whether you are Isaiah in the Old Testament, they both had the exact same experience. They record it almost, the, the, the record of their experience is almost identical. One reason why you want to know what happened to John, who was very close to Jesus in relationship, and what happened to Isaiah, who was very close to Yahweh in his walk with God, both of them had this experience of being in the manifest presence of God. So that this message will not be an hour. We'll talk about that next week. Just shut your hands and say, Amen, Bishop. I'll pick that up next week. Go to Genesis 22. By the way, those of you curious, I love those of you who are curious. You, you run and you read John, uh, Revelations 4 and, and 8. You can run ahead and read it. Isaiah, uh, Old Testament, Isaiah 6, 2 and 5. Read the experience. Oh, my God. Oh, you walk away saying, oh, my God. So I'm going to take you to a story you can relate to. Genesis chapter 20, 
Genesis 22 and 2. Are you there? Or find it. Genesis 22 and 2. want you to see this. Because um, this, this, that way it, we won't be as long today. But hopefully the Lord Jesus will make it as strong. Okay. Mm, 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 mm. Look at look at your uh, look at your uh, neighbor and tell them the problem is you're just not scared of God. <laughs> Bless you, baby. Biting that baby on the leg. <laughs> Are you at Genesis? Okay, so backdrop. Backdrop, are you still there? What's the backdrop? I told you to quit beating that baby. You too old. She too old, he too old. No matter what they do, they can't have no baby. They are past baby-making days. You can work all you want. Ain't no baby coming. That boy, 99 years old. Hello, somebody. She ain't far behind. Some people will say today she dried up. But God comes on the scene, and God says to Abram, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Abram, look at the stars. Count them if you can. <laughs> Abram, look at the sand. Count them if you can. So shall it be with your offspring. And you know what? When God gives you a promise and it's taken 20 years now and it ain't happened for you yet, you don't talk about the promise much. You get a prophetic word and awesome and you can say oh my god and 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 time passed no matter what you do you can't make it happen Marlon after after a while you just like I won't hear about that and Abram was there until God visited him again and again and again but I want you to I want you to go to this verse because chapter 22 because this is after the promise comes which is so glorious because there's no way, no way. When God visited him again a few chapters earlier, he said, he, he said, this time next year, you're going to have, oh my God, this time next year? Yeah, this time, ne this time next year, you're going to have a baby. And he's 99. What are he going to do, Willie? He ain't got no pharmacy. I'm, I'm, try I'm trying to help, I'm trying to help y'all up in here. He ain't got no shots. Ah. Ain't no artificial insemination. Ain't nothing no. Ain't no freezing the egg. No, no, none of that. God said, God said, this time next year. He said, now you, gonna, you and Sarah got to make up. Anything between you, I want that gone because where your wife, Sarah? She in the tent, Lord. Well, you tell her this time next year she's gonna have a baby. She in the tent. Woo! <laughs> Please. <laughs> sure enough, that woman is pregnant. And they know it's God. Now, I'm sorry, there's nowhere in the text that it tells us it was the immaculate conception. Meaning that there was conception without intercourse. That means, y'all still with me? There had to be intercourse. Now, they weren't young. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes you get waiting for the kid to come on you. When they come on, you know, grace and peace. That's it. When, man. And he's so happy, like, ah, ah, ah. you know, she, you know, she wilding around. All our help, all they, they, they are on that Sarah. Sure enough, here comes the baby. 
then God waits till the baby about 13. Y'all breathing? Amy, I'm so happy. Him so happy. <laughs> Every time we look at Isaac, he just, yeah. Check it out. So it came about after these things. Verse 1 is for you and me. Please get it because it's connected to the fear of the Lord. God did what? God did what? I can't hear you, saints. God tested him. Are you breathing? Abraham, and he knew that voice. Uh, here, I am, here I am, Lord. He said, I want you to take your son, your only son, whom you love. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Isaac, go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt. What? What? I'm sorry, can you guys read that? You want me to burn my baby? I want you to kill him first. And, and, and you know what? I think I love this because the scripture. There's no qualifying. It just tells you what God told him. So, the ultimate test, the thing that I love, that I've been waiting for for 25 or more years, the thing that was impossible to me, and now the possibility has become reality. God says, kill him. By the way, you noticed he did not tell Sarah. Oh no! You, you know, do you understand how a mama would respond to her baby? You know, God ain't telling her nothing. rolling with you guys. I'm talking about the fear of the Lord. Are you still with me? And then I want you, what I want you to do, I want you to offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I'll tell you. I'm not going to even tell you which one it is. Just go and I'll tell you. And when you get there, you'll know. You still breathing? Abraham rose early in the morning, stout, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he's he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abram raised his eyes and he saw the place. He, that's it. Abraham said to the young men, here's what he said to the young men. Stay here, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there. Young guys, stay here. We don't want the young guys being confused because when, when Abraham takes care of business, they ain't going to understand you understand what I'm saying? Oh, no, no, no. They, they think he's senile. He lost it. Stay here. And I and the lad will go over there. And we will, please look at verse 5. Because it's the first time in Scripture that this word is used. I was shocked at that. So I went back to my concordance, I went back to my references, and I discovered it's the first time this, it's the first time this, it's the first time it's ever used. And it comes out of Abraham's mouth. Abraham's mouth. Y'all stay here, I'll take the wood, I'll take the lad, and we will go, and we will do what? Lord, have mercy. You cannot, you can't separate the fear of the Lord from worship. So we will go over there and we will worship. Are you breathing? And we will return. Tell your neighbors, tell your neighbor, say, we will worship and we will return. Hope you, I hope you get it before it's over. Abraham took the wood, he took the offering, he laid it on Isaac, his son, and took his hand 
and took in his hand the fire and the knife. I'm going to stab you, then I'm going to burn you. Lord, have mercy. That's so gross. Lord Jesus. But one, one thing he is doing, I'm going to utterly destroy the very thing that God gave me. And I'm going to do so at his command. You don't see Abraham say, why God? Why doesn't he say why? Why doesn't Abram, Abraham, why doesn't he say, go into this theological argument of how you're going to tell me to kill the very thing that took me so long to receive. And I received it by your hand, and now you're telling me by my hand, I got to give it back to you. There's no argument. Because Abraham has learned the voice of the Lord, and he's learned to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is embedded in his soul. He doesn't understand all the hows, but he knew who told him what to do. The question here now is not for you and for me. The question here is, listen to me, the time will come when God will ask you to do something that you don't understand all the wise. But because you recognize the voice of God, you will obey or disobey. God is not obligated to tell you all the ins and outs of what he's doing. Why? Because he's God. All the children say, why can't I go? <laughs> why I got to go to bed? Why you ain't going to give me my inheritance? Why you ain't going to give me my allowance? Why can't I take the car? Now, I need to speak with you just a minute and say to you, this is a great lesson. If we can receive it, whoa, there's great promotion coming for you. To obey God. We heard that about Saul. To obey God is better than any other sacrifice. Because you can't talk about the fear of the Lord without talking about obeying God. To obey God, you have to understand God. So God was teaching Abram about his character the whole time of his life. Leading up to this one command. And that one command, if he obeyed it, would cause multiplied blessing all over the world. But somebody has to go through the sacrifice of believing him, even though I don't understand all the things that are involved. Or I, don't, I may not understand all the why right now. In the same way that parents have to treat their kids this way, there are times when you don't, you, you can't sit there and talk about all the wives. You, you, you need their obedience. Thank you. Immediate obedience. My, 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 my good friend Dennis Peacock, he's in his 80s now, tells us in his, when he was in his 70s, when he was in the 60s, told us about his relationship with his daughter and told her, KJ, K, he taught her from a child to obey his voice. Right then! Not telling you three times, four times, five times. He taught her that as a child. The first time I spoke. He'd gone across the street, and the, some of the family would hang back, and KJ was kind of the last one coming across the street. Everybody else was in the so sidewalk. They're all, they're all on the other side of the street, and KJ is about to step off the curb, and the car is racing, coming, about to boom, go through the intersection. And Dennis sees the car, and she doesn't. KJ, stop! And KJ went, ah! <laughs> What if she just said, what that? How come? <laughs> but I'm only got <laughs> everybody else over there. <laughs> Are you guys okay? Tap your neighbor and say, God's working with you. God's trying to help you. God's getting you ready to pass a test. 
you parents who got this three times. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, thank you. I'm going to count to three. Some of you parents got problems. If you're a young parent, you don't know about this because what I'm about to tell you, it sounds like child abuse. It's not. It's not child abuse. In fact, it's child abuse for you to tell them five times. That's child abuse. They don't have, you don't, I, I, you know what makes me sick? When they got a parent and they've got a three-year-old child and they try to sit there and explain to them, well, Johnny, you see, uh, this is so important for your future and if you don't learn to do this now, my God, have you lost your mind? It's, did you say gentle parenting? Gentle parenting? I want to know what God calls it. Foolishness. And many of us are in trouble right now because when someone in authority gave us a command, we were demanding of them an explanation before we gave them obedience because we thought that our giving them obedience was equal to their authority. We got a culture right now who won't, you know, won't explain everything. I don't have it on right now, but my dad said, let me explain it to you. Excuse me. I don't want to miss the point. In fact, I probably better read it. I think it'd be better if I read it. So I won't miss it. The fear of the Lord is evidenced in our life, in our lives, by our in instant, joyful, and whole obedience. In other words, when he says it, I do it. When I do it, I do it with a great attitude, and I do all of what he said. Many times, God will test us by telling us to do things without us having the faintest idea why we are to do them. By the way, if God gives you a command and you don't understand why, that is one of the greatest compliments that God could ever give you because he believes that he has got enough in you that he can, out of his person, tell you something and you would do it. Jesus, it says of Jesus, I delight to do your will, O God. So, so, many times when he does that, God tests us by telling us to do something without us having the faintest idea why we're to do them. We do not need to understand why. We need to understand who it is who's speaking to us. See, when you don't know God, you don't have the fear of God, you don't even think about who's talking to me. If you know about him, then whenever he gives you command, you say, oh, God, absolutely. And you might not even like the command. You might not feel good. You might say, well, I don't know. I would. Just put that, shut that off. Because when you have the fear of the Lord, excuse me, when you have the fear of the Lord, you have something inside about who God is. If you know who God is, you know how and why, how he operates, why he does what he, you understand that. See, to understand the way of the Lord is connected to the fear of the Lord. When you understand his ways, then when he speaks to you, now you obey. Not because, not because you understand the ins and outs of the results of your obedience, but you know who told you. You know who spoke to you. You know what he said. A parent's frustration when they speak to their child. What they say, did you hear me? Why are they saying, did you hear me? You must not have heard me because you ain't moving. Which means you don't know who I am. I'm trying to help somebody right now. When, you, when, when your child knows who you are, your command does not demand an explanation. And God wants to bring his people to that place. Right now, 
2023, the church is suffering from God explain to me. We got internal arguments inside that need to be settled because of who he is. If you know him, then you would gladly obey him. Because you know he never has an ill intention towards you. You know he is incapable of not loving you. And you already understand love has nothing to do with no pain. Sometimes love requires pain, discomfort. Who told you that love was, was loosey-goosey? Who told you that love was mamsy-pamsy? Who told you that love was squeezy-squishy? Who told you that love was always and all right, all right, going to be all right? I don't know what kind of love you're talking about. This is why when I do marriage counseling, I understand right quick why the couple don't look like they're going to make it because they don't understand this part. See, I had the fear of God in my heart concerning this woman. And what God did to me, he convinced me that she loved him. She wasn't perfect, but she loved him. And I knew I loved him. So that meant I was, it was okay to trust him about her. At the end of the day, I believed that she would obey God. I knew I was going to obey God eventually. <laughs> it might take me a little bit to come around, but I'm going to obey. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You guys breathing? So when God said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, burn him and kill him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? The word worship, by the way, oh, he said, he told them, he said, I'll tell you what now, give me the wood, give me the donkey, give me the boy, we're going to worship. We're going to worship. Excuse me. But when did worship become singing? He didn't say, we the boy, we going to sing hymns. He didn't say, me and the boy, we going to, we, <laughs> whoa, we going to praise. High praise. One of our problems is we've, we've misconstrued this word worship. And we've separated that from praise. You know what that word means? Do you know what that word worship means? Do you know what that word means? That word, you gotta look it up. It's amazing. It means get down on your face. It means to bow down on your face. In obedience. When he said, I will do it, he gets the boy, we're going to go worship. He said, I'm going to, get, I'm going to do what God told me to do. The first time the word is ever used is in the practice of obeying God by giving him what he asks you for. No, no, no. Giving him what you love. Not giving him your leftover. Not giving him your convenience. That word means what you love. I want it. Destroy it from yourself. Lord Jesus. Are you guys breathing? So they got the donkey. They got the boy. The boy said, well, Dad, we ain't got no sacrifice. <laughs> Dad, where's the sacrifice? <laughs> what, you know, the boy, you know, he's done this before. They got the wood, you know, when, when they said we're going to go worship, he understood exactly. The boy understood all his life. They worshiped by, by offering to God whatever they killed, whatever they, the blood uh, that they slit the throat, the blood went out, and they, they roasted on fire, gave it to God. He, the boy understood that. He said, what is the sacrifice? He said, oh, don't worry, son, the Lord will provide one. What wisdom. Laid the boy on, oh, put the wood on the stones. Laid the boy on the stones. You guys there? 
took his knife out and took a torch. I'm going to kill you, then I'm going to roast you. Oh, my God. Because he's doing this as an example for all of us. He's doing this as an example for all of us. So we can understand the fear of the Lord. Ooh. So it was that the Bible says, but the angel of the Lord, this is verse 11 and 12 of 22 of Genesis. But the angel of the Lord, by the way, the, the angel of God watching him like a hawk. He's looking at them, he's listening to everybody in a conversation while they walk up to the place, go up to the mountain. Ain't just standing there watching. Abraham ain't speaking in tongues. He ain't speaking in tongues. I don't think he was crying. Well, that ain't no crying situation. He needed everything, bit of his strength to let go. Lord, have mercy. To let go of what he loves, what he waited for. To let what God promised him. Abraham knows you can't have no multitude generation. If the first one to come is dead. But he told, he told the lads in the beginning, you guys stay here. We will go and worship. And, he, and, the, and the boy, surprisingly, you don't hear any busting out. He's just going along with the drama. He's just laying on his, what is happening up in here? <laughs> and the boy's laying on the altar. And then we have got the, he got the, no, I don't know if you wait till he die or whether he's dying, you burn him. I don't know how that worked. But I do know he was ready to do both. And he was going to do it. And he was in the act. I don't know if the boy came to, oh my God, I'm the altar. Oh, I mean, I'm the, I'm the sacrifice. He throws and Abraham is about to do it. You know, the, in your volition when you're going to do something. See, the angel looking at his heart. He's checking out his heart, checking out his mind. And then he's watched his actions. In the middle of it, the angel says, Abraham, he calls him. And Abraham, who's used to the voice. Here I am, Lord. Whoa, read it with me. Are you there? But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, what? Abraham, Abraham. Put that double entendre on him. And he said, Abraham, here I am. In verse 12, what did he say? He said, come on, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God. What? Have mercy, Jesus. Now I know you'll give me anything I ask you for. Now I know you ultimately trust me. Abraham believed. And when you look at the New Testament, it, the major thing about Abraham, he believed God. What did he believe? If God got to raise this boy from the dead, he can do that. Because first of all, I didn't have him as it was in the first place. And if I didn't have him in the first place, and he told me to give him back to him, he must go raise him from the dead. Because God's going to keep his, Lord have mercy, he's going to keep his promise to him. Come on, lift your hands to God right there where you sit. I want you to acknowledge that before God. Whatever God told you, he's going to keep his promise. He's going to keep his promise. Even though he don't, under, he don't explain it all to you. You know the voice of God when he speaks. I need you to put yourself in that place today. What I hold precious to me. What I think is valuable. What, it, what means the most to me. No, we, we have a thing in this house where we haven't done it and it's been too long since we've done it. When we dedicate children to the Lord, you, re, you, you recognize that these children have come by God's grace and ingenuity. And for you to give them to God is to secure their future. You give them to God when they ain't got no choice. Well, they, they can choose, but they can't exercise it. Because <laughs> the one in authority is making this choice. You guys still breathing? 
Okay, we're going we, we gonna, gonna to go further now. Uh, I believe we're going to be all right. Check it out. He says, uh, he says uh, don't stretch your hand. Don't do anything to him. I know you fear God. And you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Hey, guess what? Guess what? Abraham was allowing God to make a promise to us. Because he loved us so much, he would give his only son. But God said, but I'm going to kill him. Then I'll raise him from the dead. If I don't kill him, I can't save him. In Abraham's mind, he had to kill, in Abraham's heart, he had to kill that boy because the multitudes could not come unless he obeyed God. So, so he had, in his mind, he had to say, he's yours. He's yours. Are you, are you guys still breathing? This is where we have come as the body of Christ. We've, we live now in history where our if obedience to God means a generation. Those of you who have lost this, who have not practiced this in so long, that abandonment of who you are and what and all that you have, when, when you practice this, it belongs to God. God, if you belong to God, everything about you and everything you possess belongs to Him too. I know it's very sobering, isn't it? I want you to bow your heads and ask the Lord to teach you the fear of the Lord. Some of you say, I don't know if I want to know that. <laughs> yeah, you want to know this because, you see, when, 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 when God spared Isaac, there was, a, there was a, a ram in the bush that was to take his place, and God was able to complete the sacrifice without the blood of, uh, of, of, of Abraham's son. And, and Abraham goes up the mountain with Isaac, but he comes down the mountain with a multitude. The multitude is in Isaac. And he is alive. And he's under God's protection. And he's under God's authority. Everything you want the Lord to do is always connected to what you are willing to offer. So the first two times, that the first time that worship is mentioned in the Bible is here in this passage. And guess what? When Abraham said, when the angel, notice, Abraham is the one that said, we will worship. That's out of Abraham's mouth. But the fear of the Lord, now I know that you fear God, that comes from heaven. And it's the first time that God uses that term in the whole Bible. Now I know that you fear God. God have mercy. Yes, so with your heads bowed, I want you to make this resolve to God. There's nothing you have, nothing I have. Nothing I have, nothing I possess is more valuable than him. If you get this, you'll be free. Free to love him with all your heart. Free to follow him wherever he says for you to go. Free to you, free for you to obey him whatever he tells you to do. When you're free, those around you who are in bondage get to see a great light. They're going to know, why are you so free? Because I've chosen God. I've chosen to obey Him. I don't have to be high in order to live. I don't have to be immoral in order to be happy. I don't have to take what doesn't belong to me in order to be rich. My God. And he, he who the Son sets free, oh Jesus, is free indeed. I don't have to be afraid of what men will do to me because the fear of the Lord delivers you from the fear of man. 
going to take this meal together today because we are in covenant with each other and with God. And that, is, that, that in itself invokes the fear of the Lord. All my life, God, all my life, all my life is given to you for whatever you want. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to worship. I'm not afraid. See, the fear of the Lord is not torment like earthly, fleshly fear is. The word is actually reverence. The fear of the Lord is reverence. You know who he is. Because you know who he is. Tap me and say, if you know who he is, don't mess with God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for this body of believers. I pray for all those who have joined us online who are, who are attempting to understand. I thank you for, I thank you for this call. I thank you for this word, thank you for this anointing. For, for those whose minds have been open to hear, to truly worship. Those who are receiving godly fear. I pray, God, unloose over them the promises you have promised. Make real for them by your power and might what you have decreed and what you've declared over their life. Teach them the connection. Let joy be full and overflowing because they understand. Put in them a deeper thirst to know you to know who you are and to know your way. We glorify your name today. We tremble at your presence. Grant this, I pray. In Jesus' name.